Woke up on the beach. I think I went too hard on the shots of whiskey. No shoes up on my feet. Lucky I still have my dark sunglasses. I need you, I need you, I need you to tell me what I did last night. Cause it's really fuzzy. Tell the truth, tell the truth. What's up, everyone? This is Joel Barsky with the Irie Chat Podcast. You are just listening to an awesome song called Dark Sunglasses from Ballyhoo's new EP called Fighter. Our guest today is the band's frontman, Howie Spangler. I'm a big fan of the band and was stoked to get on a Zoom call with Howie. He was nice enough to have his mic set up, so you'll be able to hear great audio quality from both sides of the call. Listen to us talk about his band's music, his podcast, and our love for video games. So enjoy our Irie chat as we say what's up to Howie Spangler. Howie, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm just here quarantining myself. Uh, I know you're in, uh, I think, Maryland, right? So how's the whole quarantine situation going on where you're at? Uh, I mean, we're not. it's nice to see that we're not like national news. Yeah, I mean... It's uh, the governor. He made it is making everybody stay home. Um, you know, I mean, there's still people out doing essential things. Yeah, post office, grocery store, stuff like that. But um, you know, so far so good. I mean, really, I, I haven't been to the gas station. I don't even know how long. You know, it's like you're not using gas. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> gas. But uh, yeah, it's been great. You know, just try to. You know, the kids are home. We're we're doing the home homeschooling thing at the moment, and. Uh, suddenly we're teachers, which is really yeah. weird. I've mentioned that a few times on my podcast. Yeah. Just I always, you know, before I'll say it again, like I've always thought that uh, teachers were so important and they should be getting paid a lot more. And uh, it's it's never been more true, you know. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. A lot of parents are feeling that way. Days. I'm curious because I know you. I've listened to a lot of your podcast, man. I, I'm almost caught up with it. You have over a hundred episodes on it, and you talk about like health and eating right. And I know you mentioned a lot like sugar is bad for you and stuff like that. So, what's your diet like right now? Because I know a lot of people are cooped up in their homes, and like me, I'm eating a lot of junk food. I'm trying not to, but so I'm just curious for you. How's it going with your diet and eating habits? That's that's one of my biggest uh, one of my biggest. Boogaboos is, is me um, not uh, practicing what I preach sometimes, you know, like yeah. definitely quarantine time is a, uh, is a test for that. Yeah. Um, I have quite the sweet tooth. Uh, it is insatiable and um, it's been really tough, you know, cause I'll go, I'll go to the store and you know, you I'm the type that's, I got two things on the list and I come home with seven things, you oh, know, yeah. Spend forty bucks instead of ten bucks, but because I'm I'm buying like double stuffed Oreos and shit. Um, you know I we're trying to be good. Like I just started, yeah. you know, kind of working out lightly again. Mm-hmm. Back into it. Uh, I haven't been in the gym in months, and then this was no help. And just when I thought I'm gonna go to the gym again, like oh you gotta stay home now. And gym's closed. Yeah. So just been pulling out the all I have are twenty five pound weights here. You know, so I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, you know, body resistance stuff, you know, just kind of no weights, you know, pushups, things like that. Yeah. The eating has been, I've been trying to do, trying to jump back on the fasting, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because for a couple of reasons, obviously it's how it's good for you, but 
also i don't i don't want to go to the grocery store as often um yeah, so yeah. At least once or twice a week yeah um so the longer we can keep food in the house you know produce is different but the longer we keep food in the house you know the less i have to go out but um so i don't know i just i make i make food i make i make lunch and dinner every day and uh you know feeding the kids and everybody and i try to have leftovers and stretch it out um yeah but the sweet tooth thing like ice cream and yeah and you go i'm not gonna do it tonight yeah you get the kids to bed and it's like 9 30 10 o'clock you're like i'm gonna watch a show and i'm gonna get some ice cream you know it's, yeah. like, it's the worst how about yourself you said you were not so much for sugar but i need salty snacks man and i eat a lot of peanuts like salty peanuts but i'm a big fan of kettle chips like that's my weakness so every time I go to the grocery store and I'm covered up, I have my gloves and my mask, but I see those kettle chips and they're not like family size. They're just like one person, but they're a big bag. A zip, uh, especially if you've ever had Zaps kettle chips, they're more of like Southern style chips, but I'll just grab those bag of chips and I'll just eat it throughout the whole time I'm, I'm shopping. So, and I'm, so I'm still... I can't contain myself. Like I can't wait till I go home with these chips. I have to eat it on the spot. That is that's next level right there, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, my weakness is salty stuff. Like I'll have the sugar cravings every once in a while, but yeah, my weakness is salt. Like I need something salty by the end of the day. Uh, I I got those um pretzels that have um peanut butter stuff in them oh yeah yeah yeah. Those are great. yeah that's my weakness man i've had buckets of those and i can't keep those in my home because if i if i have it and i'm not doing anything and i'm stuck in my home those are going to be gone quick it's yeah it's awful man the the vices that we have as humans <laughs> yeah those insatiable cravings you know and it's the temptation it's so hard to yeah they know and, and discipline yourself you know and uh when i was doing it gets so long ago now it was like over a year and a half ago i was uh doing i was fasting i was intermittent fasting for a month um pretty much through november and like thanksgiving and all that and um and what's great about fasting is that you can you can eat whatever you want yeah um, Obviously, you want to try to eat healthy, you know, if you can. And the thing, you know, the things that you do eat, you want it to be somewhat good for you, not a bunch mm-hmm. of. But um, but it was great because you know, like I, I usually skip breakfast anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most people don't realize that they're fasting. You know, they just if you stop eating at you know eight, nine, ten o'clock, maybe your last snack or whatever it was watching your show. Yeah. And then you don't eat until lunch the next day. You're basically fasting. Mm-hmm. And um. And what I was doing was doing the the 16 to 8. So I wouldn't eat for 16 hours and then I would have a window. You mm-hmm. don't the entire eight hours, you know, but but you basically like <clears throat> put your meals in that window and then you cut it off. So like if I, you know, if I finish, some days I would finish dinner, you know, we have dinner relatively early, anywhere between like 4 and 5.30 typically is mm-hmm. dinner. So every now and then I would eat dinner and I'd be done at five thirty. You know that's my last meal, and that and yeah. it got to the point where I was I, would, I wasn't even thinking about food. I was full. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care to eat snacks and stuff anymore. 
at, at late. And then I wouldn't eat until lunch the next day. I mean, some days I was getting 18, 19, 20 hours of not eating. Oh, wow. And some people that like, <clears throat> that don't understand it, they think like, oh, you're starving yourself. And it's like, no, you're not. Like your body, yeah. your body will let you know when it's time to eat, you know, and you need a certain caloric intake daily, but it's not what we've been told by like the food industry. Mm -hmm. That's all. I mean, how convenient is it? Oh, you need it every two hours. No, you don't. Like, yeah, yeah. Man, your body's not built for that. Like, that's why a lot of people are fat and, you know, and unhealthy. And like, yeah, uh, obesity and all that it causes uh, uh, inflammation and like inflammation leads to all kinds of different diseases, mm -hmm. you know? So you think about that and it's like um, when you, when you can really wrap your head around what, what it's doing to your body makes it a little easier to kind of stay away, you know, mm -hmm. uh, when, when I had a, when I, years ago we were in Denver, we were on the road and uh, I, my throat was like, I kept getting like sore throats and mm -hmm. stuff. And I had some, I was like, had some blood in there. I was like kind of coughing at some yeah, blood, yeah. Worried, you know? So I went to, I saw an ENT out in Denver and they did the whole scope thing. They put it like in my nose. And oh, like, wow. Yeah, it was wild. Um, I'm like choking, coughing and stuff. And uh, it was like the worst experience. Um, but uh, she showed me the video. She let me go home with the video. I still have it. Oh, wow. So, what my, my vocal cords look like. Uh -huh. And she's like, oh, look right there. So right there where it's like pinkish, kind of reddish. Mm -hmm. It's from you. Uh, basically, every time you cough or clear your throat, like, uh, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. you're you're causing your vocal cords to smash together oh wow really hard mm -hmm. and and that uh creates fatigue and you can damage them oh wow um, so yeah so like one one of the things you can do instead of like you'll hear me do it a lot like well uh i'll be on my especially on my podcast because i'm just talking for an hour you know but you hear yeah. me i'll go <laughs> like that like like a heavy <laughs> heavy uh you breathe out really heavy yeah like, fast and hard and that's a softer way to clear your throat which i got i need to do it right now jesus christ um but like that's a softer way to clear your throat instead of going <clears throat> like that mm -hmm. uh when when uh if you've ever had like uh you know you've had a cold and you're coughing constantly and your throat's yeah. hurting and all that stuff it's because you're damaging your vocal cords um mm. so what i was getting at was I was able to see what it's actually doing. Like, whoa, those are my vocal cords. Yeah. Like, I'm going to stop coughing like that and clear my throat. Of course, I still do from time to time, but for yeah. the most part, I do that fast, heavy exhale. Mm -hmm. you know, it's a, so, you know, you can apply that to your eating habits and, and things. And uh, just, you know, they say you, you are what you eat. It's a very true statement. It's like, I'll, I'll eat stuff and like, I'll feel so bad 20 minutes later. You mm -hmm. know, and some people don't think about that. Some people just go, oh, I'm so full. And it's like, that's because your body didn't need all that food inside of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you, when you, you know, Thanksgiving and stuff is one thing. It's, it's okay to, to do that stuff, obviously from time to time and, and enjoy yourself, have, you know, pleasure and all that. But people just cram food in their face yeah. all along. It's not good. Yeah. There's so much temptation out there, man. It, it's hard. Even I'm prone to do something like that. Yeah. 
eating the, eating the chips before you buy them, bro. You just, <laughs> I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll say this. I'm, I'm, I fast throughout the whole morning, and when I, I save it for my grocery shopping, and then... Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great, too. Like, you do that. I was fine. I would find myself, uh, I wouldn't be as hungry. Like I wasn't my body. And this is, this is literally two to three days after I started. This wasn't mm-hmm. even take me a month to get, to get this. I only did it for about a month, like every day. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it only takes a couple of days. You really just, when people, I've had people say, oh, I, I got to eat. It's like, no, you don't, you don't. That's mm-hmm. you think you have to eat that you're in that habit. You, you were totally capable. The body is amazing. You know, mm-hmm. You really are capable of doing this. You just—it's a more of a mind over matter type of thing, and just get over yourself and just, just yeah. a few days. You'll you'll get used to it. And I I wasn't hungry. Um, I wasn't even thinking about food. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, you know, you wouldn't know it to look at me, but I got I got like a dad bod. I'm a little doughy. <laughs> I, got some, I have a little bit of a belly going on. You know, yeah, when yeah. I myself go, but um, you know, I was dropping pounds and uh, just feeling good. I felt good every day mm-hmm. you eat late and then you get up the next morning you may not even notice it until you start fasting and then when you stop again which was what i did mm-hmm. and I went back to the old habits i would feel terrible the next morning and now i notice it even from then like i still notice it mm-hmm. i eat 10 11 o'clock at night and then i the next morning i just feel i could just tell like i mean i'm not bent over in pain or anything but you just feel like yeah. Is this what most people feel like? Yeah, Every, yeah. I felt great, man. It was so. I need to get back to it. I just, I've just been really the quarantine thing's been a test. Oh yeah, Howie, I, I got to admit something to you. I'm a big Ballyhoo fan, and I, I've gone through all your albums, or I binge your your guys's music. And I have to say, my personal favorite album is the Girls' album. The band came out with the EP Fighter, which is an amazing album, and your band has had eps out before but this is the ep that you have with the most music on it so i'm just curious of why did you all come out with this ep instead of waiting for a full-length album um first thank you very much appreciate that it's uh you know having having a uh, people that listen to the music and support the way they do it's uh, you can't ask for anything more you know it's it's huge and the the volume of people that listen we're just grateful for it you know it's Mm -hmm. our lives in a way that we don't have to work regular jobs and um you know it's i'm very thankful so thank you very much yeah we we you know we live in an interesting time um where streaming is king and uh Mm -hmm. there are i think expectations and tradition are sort of just being uh it's everything's up in the air and just sort of bands are trying different things getting experimental as far mm-hmm. as how they release things um i think that uh albums are still valuable um i don't mean like a cd you know, cds are, are valuable in a different way these days they're more like merch you know something as a collectible thing mm-hmm. but uh an album you know, a, a whole work of songs, like, um, you know, whether it's themed or whatever, you know, you think of an album as like a, uh, like a time capsule. It's like, yeah. uh, you know, I can look back at our old albums and think about what was going on during those times or in those sessions. Mm-hmm. Some of the songs were written, things like that. 
why they were put on the record. Um, and that's great. Uh, but now it, things are, you know, people don't expect a full album as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you still have your super fans that, that, that want that collection of songs. And, and I fully believe in that, but, um, you know, it's just so easy to release a song next week, you know? Um, yeah. The power is in our hands more than it ever has been as, as artists. Um, we are in full control and, um, you need to let go of the old ways, the old world um, of, uh, you know, when I started the band, I, I've been through several iterations of the music industry. And when I started the band, it was more about making records, pressing a CD. This was in the 90s. Yeah. Pressing a CD. If you press a CD, you were, you were doing shit, you know, because yeah, yeah. it was expensive and, um, you know, it wasn't easy to pay for studio time. Mm-hmm. You know, forget the CD, it's, you know, getting the studio time Yeah, was expensive in its own. And, um, and then, you know, you do some promo and then you release the record later that year or whatever. Um, but now it's just like there's singles and there, I forgot what the number was, tens of thousands of songs released a day, you know, or a week or something like that. Yeah. Um, and you know, for, for the, the main reason that, um, getting to your question, finally, the, the main reason that I decided that we should put these songs together was because it's actually, I wanted to have one place for people to listen because singles can get kind of out of hand and all over the place. And when people are driving, most people are like running or they're driving or doing something and they can't be all like this, you know, looking, you know, trying yeah. to steer in traffic and like fine. Yeah. yeah. I think it's better to have everything in one place. Mm-hmm. Instead of, okay, that was cool. And I'm going to go back and listen to the other single they released, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was one thing. The other thing was because I'd read a book uh, by a guy named Mike Warner. It's not a very long book. It's only like, you know, 70 pages, 80 pages. And he does updates and things like that. And it's basically about, how to take advantage of Spotify um, because Spotify, you know, everyone knows it's the leader in playlisting and, yeah. uh, you know, it, it can really break some bands. Um, and I'm sorry, it's work hard, playlist hard. My bad. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> work hard, playlist hard. Okay. Um, and uh, anyway, one of the things he said in there was that there was a band, I think it was the Chainsmokers that did it. Um, they started doing this sort of a waterfall type of approach. Mm-hmm. Um, they realized that you can use, you can put out a release. So you put out a single. So like last year, for instance, we did, we did a uh, renegade. We released it back in yeah. May of 2019. Awesome song. Thank you. Um, and then uh, we released uh, dark sunglasses and California King on the sounds of summer. Uh, I think it was just two songs. And then it got time to put out Fighter. And I was like, you know what? After reading this book, let's take Fighter and not just release it on its own. Let's put the, the previous three singles underneath it. And we won't push it as, here's a new EP. Here's a new re- album, whatever. Yeah. 
a collection of songs. It was just, we were pushing Fighter. That was it. It was mm -hmm. like, hey, Fighter's coming out. But then when you get it or you pre-order or whatever, you see, oh shit, these other songs are on here. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and what that does is, and uh, are you artists out there? Pay attention. <laughs> um, it, it creates new life for those previous songs. Hmm. Um, so you're working this other song, but all the while, the other three songs on this or whatever, however many are on there are getting listened to again. They're, they're, they're picking up streams. So we pushed fighter for a while. And then all of a sudden you've got dark sunglasses, California King and renegade. Um, mm. and they started creeping back up into our top 10 on Spotify. Oh, okay. In a week or two. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, this does work. Yeah. And that was something I learned from, from Mike's book, work hard, playlist hard. Um, and it was probably the most valuable thing that I learned. Um, and, and the one I put into practice the most. Um, and, uh, so I'm really looking forward to everything, you know, most likely if we're not putting out an album, um, traditionally, we're going to do the same thing on the next thing, you know? So we have another yeah. song come out. It's going to have fighter and the other three songs on it and so on. Um, and our plan right now, we were talking about wanting to do a record for the summer, but it's record's not going to be likely. Um, mm -hmm. But we are going to release more songs. Okay. So we're we're in the process of recording right now. We we've, we've been just kind of working on it, but I don't want to I don't want to rush it. I want the songs to be good, and yeah. I'm not just shit out just to put it out. Yeah, yeah. You know that we have a we have a handful of songs that I'm really excited about that I would love for the people to hear. So. Oh man, I can't wait. So I just want to make a like a side note for our listeners that yeah, definitely listen to the wisdom that Howie Spangler is teaching. I'll be honest, like I listen to your you know your podcast, and like I said, you have over a hundred episodes, and I'm trying to catch up. But there's a lot of things I know it's primarily to help people start a band and for musicians. But honestly, I've learned a lot from like since I started my the YouTube series and do all the socials like the instagram and i mean it, it all for me it cross promotes each other and even this podcast like i've learned a lot from just developing and marketing and just using the same information that you were you're teaching to musicians i've applied it to my own stuff so yeah for our listeners like this is a wealth of knowledge that you're, we're getting right now oh man thanks dude yeah it's, it's pretty much i was just like you know what because I'd wanted to start a podcast for a while before I did the first episode, probably like a year and a half, two years. I was like, I, want, I should do that, you know? And Brandon from Bump and Uglies was like, you're like a well of knowledge, bro. Like yeah. you should do some with that. And uh, I was like, all right, I'll just, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like no one wants to hear me talk for an hour or whatever it is. Yeah. Who's going to listen to that? And yeah. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to, I'll record myself talking about, starting a band maybe things i would have done differently or yeah. things i would apply to it you know starting a band for for a new band yeah and uh i just did like a 20 minute episode or a 30 minute episode and got some great feedback and i was like oh okay so i got i got excited i got excited yeah. it drove me i was like oh shit i started cranking them out yeah yeah um, you did <laughs> yeah and and the cool thing was here's another thing another thing that people need to learn is that like it is so important. It's not so much about how it looks, how it sounds. It's, it's, it's more important that you just do it in the first place. Mm -hmm. You have to be pro. Don't wait for that, you know, to get 
six hundred dollars to buy one of these road pot uh the road roadcaster yeah yeah to make it sound amazing or you know like i just i just have this stuff you know i, I but it's been mm-hmm. years building this you know yeah and i'm still every now and then i'll put out a pot i'm like god oh, it didn't sound as good I, I gotta i gotta work on that you know mm-hmm. um the cover art is completely different than it was for like the first like 20 episodes I, it was just i was i went online because i'm a very like uh uh what's the word um spontaneous type of person when it comes to like creativity mm-hmm. i can't wait like i'll just be like fuck it go live do it yeah yeah you know, like and, and I'll be like, oh, I need to get cover art for this. I didn't have cover art for it yet. Mm-hmm. So I just went on to like some royalty-free site and picked a, a beach scene with palm trees on it. And that was the first cover. Okay. A font and just threw it on there. I wanted like a sexy looking font, Tales from the Green Room. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was it. And I just learned every every time. And then like if you listen to those first episodes, they don't sound as great, you know. Um, and it just worked. It, you work into it and you figure out what works best and, and you get your flow and your process. And, you know, and that goes for podcasts. It goes for a YouTube channel. It goes for anything. If you're making videos, you know, it's, you can use your phone. You don't need to go buy a, a Canon DSLR. You don't, you don't need no. to do it. Um, I just started live streaming like legitly with the camera. You don't need that. You can do it with your phone. It's mm-hmm. all these apps are free, you know, um, it's just, uh, that, that is the biggest takeaway I would like people to learn, you know, from, if you feel like you want to create something, you know, you got it in you. Um, just, just go for it. Don't, yeah. don't wait. One thing I like that you say a lot in your podcast, and I think I've seen probably an interview you saying this, but I'm paraphrasing here, but like, basically that's what I, I hear in my head. It's like, don't give a fuck what anybody thinks or says just do it. If this is something you want to do or your dream, just do it. Don't even care what, like just anything or what people think or say, just do it. It's, it's, uh, I get fired up talking about this stuff, you know, it's, that's why <laughs> I can I, tell man <laughs> loud, you know, but like, I'm just passionate. Like that's one of the things I learned. I, I will say that, uh, <clears throat> Gary V is one of the guys that I, he's like the, the guy, you know, like that really got yeah. me, pushed push me to, do the podcast. So I'm talking about anchor mm. one. That's the platform I use to create my, or to upload my stuff, distribute. Um, and if you're not following Gary V and you've got a dream and you're not doing anything with it, you need to follow this guy. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I got, I got stoked and basically, yeah, I mean, I learned that from him. I mean, I already kind of figured it out, but like he just really like drove it home. It's like the, one of the biggest reasons that we don't do that, that thing that we want to do is because we're worried about what other people are going to say about it. Yeah. You know, what's my brother going to think, you know, what's yeah. my, my parents going to say, like, I don't want to go to college. Um, I want to start a cooking show on YouTube. Yeah. And they're going to be like, that's fucking ridiculous. Like your parents yeah. say like, no, yeah. no, no. And he's, it's just like, no, like we don't, we don't live in a one size fits all. We're not a one size fits all type of species, man. Mm-hmm there's fundamentals for everything. You know, there's a common denominator with a lot of things, but there's no, you know, yes, finish school, do finish high school, do that. You yeah. know, that. but you, you don't necessarily need a college degree. I don't need a college degree to, to learn how to do a podcast, man. Yeah. You know, or to talk about experience. You know, one of the things he said was, uh, 
some people go to college and he, that people that young people talk to him about, you know, I thought about just going to college, just get the experience. Mm -hmm. because why would you waste tens of thousands of dollars of your parents' money? Most likely mm -hmm. just going for the experience of college, take yeah. that and go to Europe, you know, like do some yeah. travel. Yeah. Travel. Like that's how you get experience. Like, you know, book smarts is one thing, but street smarts is another yeah. thing. Yeah. Getting out there and actually having experience and learning things the hard way, mm -hmm. um, you know, can be a lot more valuable than, you know, it, there's some people that go to, go to college and they don't get the job that they majored for, you know, they don't get, they're not in the industry that they, that they spent all that money on. And it's like, you know, it's, and then they, they overcharge for, for books and things. And yeah, it's just insane. And I'm not saying it necessarily needs to be like a free thing. But like, it's insane how much they charge for this stuff. But yeah, the the expectation of like, you know, well, this is how it goes. That cookie cutter. I'm a I'm against the cookie cutter lifestyle. The mm -hmm. we all live in a sandbox. This is how it goes. I mean, that's what I say in the song "Fighter." Actually, like, yeah, yeah. this is how they they say that yeah. this is how it goes. This is how it goes. Like, no, like no, I I I'm not going to live like that. Like I. When I'm 90, I went and hopefully I'm not, you know, hopefully I'm still healthy. So I'm going to try to keep fasting and not, yeah. you know, um, when I'm 90, man, I want to look back and be like, I'm so glad I did that. You know, so glad. And I didn't start this pod until, you know, two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I was, I was 37, you know, it's like, it's never too late, bro. Like just cause you turn 30 or you turn 40. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, yeah. I just want people to know that man just get fired up about what you want to do don't don't give a fuck about what anybody says about yeah. it put your you know you can live in your bubble and just make the things you want to make and there's a market for everything mm -hmm. there are minded people like you that are you know doing a niche thing like like you can talk about uh you can talk about dongles for the new max like you know what I'm like you know what I mean like you yeah, make a yeah. career you're talking about uh shakers for yeah. vape toys you know like it's it's wild you know so it's it's all possible yeah yeah even yeah like shakers i'm sure that you can convince somebody out there to be entertained by that there there's a market for anything there is a market for anything some things may take longer to pop yeah. you know i mean who know, I, I know they're out there. I don't know, <laughs> but they're out there. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, you just got to connect to them. And building a YouTube channel is incredibly hard. You know, you got to be really committed to it. And you can't expect, like, you can't think about making money. It's got to be something that you love and you just would do anyway. You know, yeah, yeah. that's trick. It's not. You know, if you go into any of this thinking about money, you're going to be very disappointed because the money takes a long time to start happening. Um. It's uh, it's it, but if you love it, if it's something that you really enjoy, then it's not work and you're not worried about the money. Obviously people need to make money. That, that's the mm -hmm. art. Well, I got to make money. I got bills. Of course, man. Of course. Yeah. Good. You got to get sleep. You know, you don't need to sleep eight or nine hours every day. Yeah. That's required. Um, there's a book by, uh, uh, Nick, Nick, I think it's Nick little Hales. It's called sleep. You should read that book. It's very, very wild. Um, It'll re, re 
train your brain on how, what you think about sleep. Okay. Yes. You have to get up and go to work in the morning, right? You got to mm-hmm. off at four or five o'clock. You get home, you got to get the kids, you got to make dinner, all those things. You got to do homework, all those things. You put the kids to bed. What do you do at eight, nine o'clock when the kids are in bed? What do you do? Do you, do you sit down, kick, kick off your shoes and you watch Netflix mm-hmm. or popcorn or cookies? What do you do? Or are you going down to the basement or that room or sitting in your living room or in your kitchen and you're t- t- on YouTube live talking about recipes Yeah. or, you know, or in the kitchen making something, yeah. uh, you know, working on your, your, your cooking abilities. I think, you know, trying different recipes like that is what it's all about. It's what are you doing with that spare time? Even if it's only a couple hours, you know, I know people that are, that are uh, nurses, you know, that, don't get sleep. They they're on on call. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy horrendous schedule. Yeah. Um. You know, but it just depends on how committed you are to the craft. And everybody gets tired. And like I said, you do need sleep, but it's it's really all up to you. And you know, just know that you can take those extra hours to sleep or to sit with your family and and watch a movie or something. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But it's just it's going to take a little bit longer you know, it's for, for you to reach that goal. The more you spend time on this, uh, the, the, the more things will happen, the, the sooner it, it may come, you know, yeah. no guarantee on any of this, but, um, you have to want it. And, uh, people say, how do you get the time to, to mm-hmm. do all the things that you do? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I make the time. I just yeah. I get up. And I, I do that. I, I get up and I get my kids breakfast and I'm like, everybody good. All right, cool. And I head down here. I just start working on stuff. And, um, I work into the night. A lot of nights I still make time to make lunch and dinner for the kids and do homework. Uh, but as soon as everybody's good again, I'm back down here working and that's how I have time to make all the content that I make. Um, when it comes to, you know, I, I realized, I realized back in 2013, probably before that, that uh, I was I was working a, at a restaurant. I was bartending and waiting table, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Man, this really takes a lot of time." Like yeah. out of my day, but I was in that weird, weird yeah. thing. Where I, had a, I had like a two year old at the time, mm-hmm. and I was really scared to. Uh, the thought of quitting my job was. I'd always thought about it. Who doesn't want to quit the job that they yeah. hate? Yeah. Um, I was, I was thankful to be in a situation where they'd let me go and I would come back and I'd still have a job. You know, it was just, it was cool. I mean, you know, you're a server, you're a bartender, you're not doing brain surgery. You're not yeah. you know, like anyone can come in and do that. Um, so they were hiring people all the time, but I was, I was lucky and happy that, that they would bring me back. Um, but I started thinking like, you know, I could be, we went on tour with Authority Zero in 2013, and it was a great tour. It was like six weeks, summertime. Mm-hmm. Came home, and I was like, man, I just was out there doing this awesome thing and um, just doing what I love, and people were into it, singing along, and there's there something happening. Mm-hmm. And about to put out, or no, we did put out a Pineapple Grenade, and it was like successful. And I was like, and I'm going to go back and somebody's going to complain that their soup is cold or the breadsticks are hard. 
right? Or there's not <laughs> enough. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like you're like I just wrote an awesome rock song that people love, and I got to go back to this. But. I think you know, ego can be a, a good and a bad thing. Yeah, and yeah. One of those moments where I felt like my ego was creeping in and it was actually for the better because it, it made me go, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I could be spending 12 to 14 hours pulling doubles and, you know, serving people food and drinks, uh, which is not, some people really enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Um, or I could be spending 12 to 14 hours or more making music and honing my craft and, <laughs> you know, writing songs. And that's what I want to do. You know, yeah. I was like, all right. And I, I was at a point where we were making okay money and it was sort of like, I, I, I wasn't exactly scared or freaked out. I was, I was too excited about the idea of not working and being, you know, just going head on into the music. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just did it. I was like, all right. And I just, I let them know. I was like, I'm not coming back. Like, thank you guys so much. Mm -hmm. you know and i just dove head first and i started working on i used that i used that winter to like start really diving into how to record and um because the the goal was to eventually one day make it so i could uh record myself and record my band and produce yeah. and produce other bands and, and mix and things and it takes years to really uh you know with the time that i had it just it takes years to um, to achieve that, to be able to go, okay, I'm actually able to do this now. And some people learn quicker than others. Um, and it took me several years and finally we record ourselves and it's all in house these days. We don't need anyone else. So you're saving a bunch of money. The band's not spending 20 grand on a, on a record anymore. You know, I can do it. I do it pretty much for free, you know, um, for the band. And, we get music out and whenever we want. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's just, if, if it's something that you want for yourself, it's up to you to decide, you know, how drastic you want to be about it. But I knew by then, and this was seven years after we started touring, mm -hmm. it took me seven years of touring to go, I feel okay about quitting the job now. Okay. And, and the, you know, the full-time thing you'd mentioned, uh, like being full-time in a band, you know, I was already full-time in a band. Yeah. I've been full-time since we started the band in 95, yeah, yeah. maybe before that, because all I did was think, I'd be in biology class drawing flyers of me playing with, uh, like our band playing with my favorite bands, yeah, you, know? Yeah. you know, like I'd have this, this whole ad mat drawn up, like, Saturday, June twenty sixth, you know, whatever. Bally, yeah, yeah. Green Day, Bush, Silver Chair, Nirvana, <laughs> and you know, it's that's all I did. I just eat, sleep, yeah. breathe, live, believe this band, you know. So I want to go back a little when you mentioned about you know starting this band and all that stuff, and you started this band pretty early, uh, like I think around fifteen or around that age uh, with your brother Donald, who's the yeah yeah and uh who's the drummer your brother donald's also the drummer and you started the band with him and you have also nick and scott who's in the band now and they've been with you all for a while so i'm just curious of 
how did Nick and Scott join the band? Um, Scott joined the band in 2000, I guess. It's kind of, it's kind of wishy-washy because um, we asked him to come play on our record. He was, uh, he was spinning records at the time. He was a, a DJ um, in the scene, in like the, the drum and bass scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was really into hip-hop and like 90s hip-hop. So he had like battle records and he was scratching. And, and at that time, uh, scratching records on rock music was a big thing. You know, Limp Bizkit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Limp Bizkit was huge at that point. And um, some other bands were doing it. And that kind of hip-hop sound was being worked into rock music. Yeah, yeah. And we were, uh, we thought that was so cool. And we thought like, you know, we, in, I remember in 99, we actually had JR who became our bass player a, a few years later. Um, he was spinning records too in the late nineties. And we asked him to come play a show at our high school. Um, and it was, he was like the secret weapon. He was mm-hmm. like, and I remember we played this punk band called the chaotics back then. And, um, I think subsist was there too. And talking mm-hmm. this, Shit. Uh, <laughs> local punk rock bands and um so we're playing the show and we brought jr out to do uh, some scratching on the turntables and we worked out this whole song where it was just like kind of like a call and response thing with the band it was really cool you know mm-hmm. no one was doing it no one in the area was doing that so we did it and everybody lost their minds you know yeah yeah oh this is cool there's something to this you know um and so that next year when we were recording our first our first album 365 day weekend we uh there were a couple tracks i was like you know this could be cool like to have some scratching on it Mm -hmm. um and so because i've always had that sublime approach to to the writing when it comes to mixing the reggae and the punk and all that yeah yeah uh there's a lot of brad Knoll had a lot of hip-hop in him as well so Mm -hmm. all that on the on the first records and um so I was like, it'd be cool to do something like that for this. So we had, I think we had two songs on there that we invited him. Actually, another guy, this guy, Paul, he, they both played uh, on that record, I think. Um, and we just started asking him to come back for shows, you know, to play shows in like 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of stuck. He just stayed in the band it was like never i don't remember it ever being like a, okay you're in the band now it's just sort of like yeah. All right, where where should i be next weekend you know that's shit like that yeah yeah um, and so it kind of stuck uh fast forward several bass players later uh 2014 mm-hmm. um jr is is ready to to leave the band after 10 years and uh he was very cool and stuck around till we found someone and f- kind of finished out his tenure, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, un- enough time for, for Nick to learn. And we did this kind of cool changing in the guard thing at JR's last show where he played like half the show with us and then Nick finished the show. Mm-hmm. He kind of like passed it off. So okay. we got, yeah, we got really drunk um, passing around a bottle of Jameson on stage and it was in Baltimore and it was like, it was like the perfect moment, you know, yeah, yeah. everybody's there and everybody knew it was Jared's last show. It was just a big one. And, uh, mm-hmm. it was, it was emotional and it was fun. It was, it was great. It was all the things, you know? Yeah. And 
and then uh, he just kind of passed it off to Nick, and, and then we finished out the show with Nick, and, and that was it. And Nick joined the band. So, um, yeah, it was it was a uh, we've gone through some personnel changes over the years. Donald and I are the only constants, and then and then Scott's always been there for yeah twenty years now. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's. You know, you, you, there's people, you get to a point, some people just don't have it in them anymore. Yeah. That's fine. I'm not going to beg anyone to stay that doesn't want to be there. That doesn't create a good situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I could tell that JR was kind of losing the, the fire for mm-hmm. a couple of years leading up to that. And, you know, when he told us, I was bummed out, kind of taken by surprise. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like... Uh, I, once I thought about it, I was like, yeah, I'm actually not surprised when I really think about it. I go back mm-hmm. and see videos and the, the, the fire and the energy wasn't there on the performances, like the live show. He's a sick bass player. That'll never change. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, he was just in a, in a different place and um, he was about to get married and, you know, it was just, it was just his time. Mm-hmm. And now he's back into music and he's, he's got his building a studio out and, uh, he's playing with uh, some other artists and having jams and shit. It's, it's yeah, great. Yeah. So before, I want to say when I was working on the YouTube series and I was preparing for the episode I did with Tropidelic at the House of Blues, I was preparing for it. So I made a visit there before we actually did the filming. And one reason why I was also there was to catch your guys' show over there last year where you performed at the House of Blues Foundation Room. And you guys, you know, absolutely rocked. I love it. Everyone loved it. I love the vibe there. And I, I noticed when you really get into it is when you put the Bon Jovi wig on. And I noticed in your other photos, you, you put the Bon Jovi wig. But that's how I know you're really into, you know, rocking out. So I'm just curious of where did that idea come from? So dumb, dude. It's so dumb. Like <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> it's meant to be dumb. <laughs> you all know it's dumb, right? But that's why we do it. We do it yeah. because want to do something different it's because people just go to shows and bands do there's bands that have their thing they do some cool shit you know yeah and and there's bands that joke all the time they they build their show around comedy you know Mm -hmm. less than jake is one of them it's like they're great they're they're sick band but but roger and chris together are are insanely funny you know pulling shit out of their asses just talking and it's not the same show every night it's always just something new chris is very fast Mm -hmm. um (laughs) so for us it's like it's our personality it's our it's how we are we're goofy guys and it doesn't need to be all pro all the time you know it's like we try to we want to put on a great show the production value i'm always thinking about it what can we do to be better what can we do to like you know we got we have geysers going off with lights Mm -hmm. um we have these light boxes we step on, the light shoots up. Mm-hmm. What else can we do that's like like zero cost? It costs like 18 bucks for that. You know what I mean? Very yeah. low. And we've got our tour manager, Alex, who does, he runs all that production shit for us. Like he does all the geysers, he triggers them. Okay. Um, I was like, what else, can, what other job can I give Alex uh, that's very easy to do, you know? Mm-hmm. He'll just come on stage and throw it on. And I'll do the guitar solo. I was like, it'd be super funny if uh, I do a guitar solo with this 80s metal wig on and mm-hmm. I'm standing on the light box with the light shooting up at me. 
you grab my fan. We all have fans on stage. Yeah, yeah. And and you hold it up like I want everyone to see that you're holding this fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please and get it like get it two feet from my face. Yeah. Like <laughs> over your head. Yeah. Let the hair blow, you know, with the light and the and the yeah. guitar. It's all eighties sounding because I got this delay and shit. Like that's what I wanted, and we get that shit every night, and it's so dumb. And I see people pull their phones out. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's on our story every night. Somebody, like yeah. a couple, you know, and it just it it worked. It, the effect worked. Yeah, yeah. And we just haven't done away with it yet. And Alex is like, "Should we stop doing that?" Or, like, <laughs> no, he loves it. Like, come on. Yeah, that's your thing, man. I love it. Yeah, it's like he doesn't want to get stale. You know, I'm like, but bro, there's still plenty of people that are coming to these shows, and yeah, seen. yeah. Yeah. And there's some people that expect it now. It's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh man, I hope they do that at Reggae Rise Up. Yeah, and that's that's just yeah, absolutely. There's only certain nights where it doesn't happen because some reason. There, you know, yeah. we're playing with bands, there's a lot of gear on stage, and he can't make his way up there. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, don't worry about it tonight. Stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's anything to be entertaining and mm-hmm. keep the fun vibe like i said it doesn't need to be i like to go out there and look clean and and have a solid tight show Mm -hmm. you know i want it to look and sound great but you got to have those moments where it's just not all about super pro all the time you know Mm -hmm. we're human and and i think people appreciate that yeah yeah well one thing i really love about your your, your band's music, it, it's very unique. I mean, when I, I mean, being a big reggae fan myself, I mean, that's how I kind of guided myself to hearing your music. But I guess you mentioned a lot on your podcast that you're primarily a punk rock band, if that's correct. And you mentioned, yeah, we put reggae into it, but you're a punk rock band first. I know that gets a little confusing a lot, which I understand. So I'm just curious, if you could make up the title of your own genre of music, what would it be? Uh, let's call it beach rock. Beach rock. Okay. Cause I, I, I like, um, you know, if you, if you are into our band at all, like you, you just know the, the imagery is pretty constant. Mm-hmm. We're trying to, we're always trying to cast like a, a vibe, like, you know, we're on vacation. Like yeah. when you listen yeah. to big vacation and, we are um we are uh we're taking you away for a little bit and there's a lot lot of beach imagery a lot of palm trees a lot of you know the the pineapple thing is is become like really associated with us lately Mm -hmm. all the belly hooligans and the belly hooligans uh facebook page are always posting pineapple pictures like random like pineapple haircuts and pineapple novelty items um, you know, it's just, it's all about fun and positivity and, you know, I write some, I write some dark shit, you know, but, uh, I always try to put a positive spin on it and something, usually I can, t- I can write about dark stuff, but, but happy kind of upbeat music too. Yeah, yeah. Dynamic. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it just got to, it was like, you know, reggae rock is like the, is the typical term mm-hmm. and that when we started, like nobody knew what to call it, you know? Yeah, yeah we weren't the only bands, you know, mixing punk and reggae, but, um, 
reggae rock was kind of the thing. And now it's, it's more becoming American reggae. So it's more of an umbrella where you have different subgenres of yeah, American. Yeah. So you got, you got your roots reggae, you got dub, rock reggae, you know, um, pop reggae, uh, poly reggae, which is like the whole, uh, the Hawaiian style stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, there's all kinds. And, uh, I got to a point I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to brand my own thing. I want us to yeah, be, yeah. I'm going to stick out a little, a little more and, um, you know, just beach rock, Maryland beach rock. I think it's just a great tagline. What you mentioned about your music and you're, you're thinking of beach a lot, which being from South Florida myself, I mean, every time I listen to your music, especially when I first started, I want to say the first, I think it was the Detonate album I listened to. And I mean, the, the girls album was more like a pop reggae vibe. But yeah, I mean, that, and I think that's one reason why I really loved that album because it, it was definitely like every time I listened to it, I always thought of the beach and wherever I went, like for traveling to prepare for the other episodes, even though I'm away from the beach, I always listen to that album because I'm always, I feel like I'm at the beach whenever I listen to that music. Yeah, it's um, in our, our stories every day, you know, I'm, I'm always, <clears throat> I see people tagging us in, in their stories. Um, and it's always like somebody playing beer pong or a gathering of people hanging out, drinking beers, mm-hmm. um, people on a boat, people on the beach chilling, um, people sitting by the pool. It's, it's, it's just become, you know, summer is our biggest time of year. Yeah. Like, yeah. Our streams go up in the summer. Oh, nice. It's yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're surpassing 500, 600 K monthly listeners on Spotify in mm-hmm. by August, you know, um, it's just clear to me that we've made our mark as far as like our message, you know, um, our overall vibe. And, you know, I'm, I'm not even the type of guy that, that I'd rather be on a beach. I'm not, I'm not, I don't always want to be on a beach. You know what I mean? I'm not like a Jimmy Buffett, you know, type of, type of dude. I'm yeah, not even the yeah. type of guy, but the idea of being on a beach or chilling is, is just so nice, you know, mm. or, or whatever, just sitting there with your girl or your guy or whatever, just chilling, you know, yeah. it's just, I don't know. I, I like the overall vibe and yeah, Maryland beach rock. So you write a lot of the band's music and you mentioned it in your podcast also that you write a lot of love songs. So I'm just curious, do you get any pushback from the other guys about the music that you write and asking you to write, you know, outside of love? Um, no, not really. I mean, sometimes they'll pitch things like, hey, we should write about this or something. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. But for the most part, like, I, I don't get a whole lot of ideas. I just kind of, I just write, I just go like, mm-hmm. like not getting things pitched to me is what I mean. Um, so I'll just, I'll just write whatever I'm feeling. Um, and love songs. I was always, a, I always felt like I was a, a hopeless romantic back mm-hmm. in the day. Like always like I was making girls mixtapes and yeah. like, that's real. You know, uh, I was always the wallflower type where I didn't want to ask a girl to dance or something, you know, like those, yeah. the idea to me was always sweet of like you know taking a girl out and giving her flowers and doing all i don't know just all that cheesy shit but yeah old um, school yeah so it's easy to write about you know and it's easy to write about a bad 
had a few and a lot of people have had bad relationships and of course um you know it's i can write about good relationships write about good stuff it's more i think mm-hmm. it's more fun to write about the dark stuff you know yeah. but but um yeah i mean it just really depends on on how i'm feeling and i, I don't i don't ever force it and sometimes the riff like the song will tell me what to write about mm-hmm. sometimes there's a lot of techniques you can try you can you can literally write out a 10 or 12 song track list imaginary mm-hmm. that would just be cool just write out song titles oh that's a cool song title and then write off right based on the song title you know mm-hmm. you can set up keywords uh, my management pitched me keywords they're like you should write a song about like smoking weed fucking hanging out girls in bikinis you know uh all that shit citation mm-hmm. you know like getting caught by the cops stuff like that i wrote blaze this weed mm-hmm. you know like all right and, you know you, you just you just come up with a word cloud you know just that all associated and then just start writing lyrics yeah, yeah. a lot of things but yeah the only time that i've had pushback on uh lyrics and things was um it was that song ross vader on girls and um also on girls uh gone girl those are songs that 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 were completely different um content wise the music was the same i already had the music but the lyrics so for gone girl originally that wasn't about uh, a guy being insecure and like meeting a girl having a great time and then never seeing her again mm-hmm. which i think is a cool premise and i do i think the song great I, i'm a, proud of it yeah yeah but i had to rewrite that from the ground up because it wasn't even as simple as like change change that line it was like you need to rewrite this whole song hmm. originally it was about uh it was about a couple that was getting divorced and there were kids involved and how to handle that. Hmm. Um, and it was mostly written from the man's side. Um, cause I think men get fucked over a lot in mm-hmm. the area. Um, and, uh, it was kind of like coming from that. And it was based off my experience of my parents mm-hmm. putting my brother and I in the middle at the time. And it took them four years to get divorced, you know? Um, and it was just a constant back and forth. And we were supposed to be my, my dad's house every other weekend. And some weekends he wouldn't want to take us. And she, and then other weekends she wouldn't want to let us go. Like they, they, it was just very juvenile and they handled it very bad, you know, mm-hmm. very badly. So I wanted to write about that. Like, what if I was in this situation? What would it be? You know, what would the worst situation look like and how would I deal with it? So that's, that's what it was about. It was very, yeah real and dark content you know and my management was like dude like it's not that it's a bad song it's just that like you're gonna put people in a weird place man and i was mm-hmm. like so fucking what you know i was like i got yeah. mad man. yeah i was i was like who fucking cares like yeah this shit's about this shit's for me anyway yeah. you know yeah this is for anyone else and if people don't want to connect to it they don't have to they can skip you know they can go yeah. to the next one yeah. I don't, that's, that's one thing that like, as a songwriter, man, you got to hold on to things. And I ended up being like, all right, fuck it. You know, I, I caved. Yeah. We wrote this song in like a day and it takes me a lot longer than a day to write songs typically. Mm-hmm. 
because we were we were there in the studio recording. I had to do it. I had to get mm-hmm. it done. So rewrote that shit to be Gone Girl, and still I still think it's a great song, and it's, I'm proud of it. But I really would have liked to tell that story. Hmm. And I just feel like you know maybe in the context of that record, it it wasn't it wasn't correct, and maybe mm-hmm. that song wouldn't have went on the album. You know, yeah. I just would have been like because there were we had. A couple songs that didn't go on the record. Uh, Stop ruining my life was one of them. It ended up on detonate. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't right for the record, you know. So you kind of got to figure that out later. You just record and you figure it out later. Uh, the other one was Ross Vader, where it was kind of a, all I could think about was, okay, this song's about partying. Like the song's about being at a party and everybody's like, all right, where's the whiskey? Like there's yeah. a like. Uh, in my head, it was a, it was like the '90s or the 2000s where there was a live band playing at a party. It wasn't a mm-hmm. DJ live band. They're at a party. Shit was going off. Everybody's taking their tops off, and there's fucking yeah. people in the pool and they're wrecking their car into the pool, and like people jumping off the roof and shit like that. In my head, that's that's kind of what yeah, it was. Like. Yeah. And um, I had like, I don't know, like a verse written. It wasn't complete. And I remember like in the booth, uh, at Sonic Ranch singing what was going to be the verse and the whole room in the control room was sort of like, eh, like that. I felt, <laughs> eh, man, I don't know if like you've ever had people tell you your art's not good. Yeah. yeah. You know? And like, it, it's one thing when like a fan does it, but when like when the people you're working with are saying mm-hmm. it's not good, you're just like, Oh my God, it infuriates me. I, I can't help it. Look, I, it's one of my weaknesses. I, I get, super pissed off because I'm very passionate about what I yeah. do. And when someone's telling me it's not good or it's not right, um, I'll take fans all day saying it sucks. I don't give a shit, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, when it's like your band mates and your management and things like that, it's just like, this could be better. You know, it's like, it's hard to take that criticism. Yeah. Yeah. And I try to be, uh, open-minded and, you know, um, let people speak and I try to make it a democratic process, you know, but I feel like I get really weird about it. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm the one spending all the time writing these songs. I'm not getting songs pitched to me. Mm-hmm. What is, and then all of a sudden you're going to make me change it. Like at the last minute, like yeah. now yeah. I, have to, I have to leave the booth when I was about to record this song and now I got to go rewrite. And you know, that's a whole different podcast, but like, um, you know, so I we had my buddy uh, Greg Greg Shields from Cashed Out, who's mm-hmm. a floor. Um, he was well, he was out with us, and we were at the time. I remember a couple weeks before we went in the studio, I was like, "Hey, let's call Greg because I, I don't have a lot of lyrics written. Like, mm-hmm. I got half the, half the album, and we need to get this done. We got fifteen days. Mm-hmm. Got fifteen days." And uh, so we flew Greg out. And he was just there with me writing lyrics and stuff. So he, he wrote a lot of lyrics on the record. He wrote the, the 100% of lyrics for Ross Vader. Okay. It wasn't called Ross Vader. It was just, uh, it was called Rasta Blood. That was the <laughs> name of the demo, Rasta Blood. I just like the sound of it, Rasta Blood. Yeah, metal. that does sound pretty cool, man. <laughs> um, and so uh, so we were like, oh, we got to write we write lyrics for Rasta Blood. What's it going to be? And I, yeah. I just... I like threw a tantrum and was like very upset and pissed off yelling at everybody. Hmm. Uh, and one of the great things about blocking off time like that, two weeks in a studio is you can do that. You can freak out and leave for three hours, four hours and 
it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right? You're paying for time. Like, uh, like we only got like four hours left. You can't just take off. You got to just get it done. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Nice kind of spread out. But, um, so Greg took the night and, um, I think he got some ideas from the guys and they pitched some, some ideas and, uh, he wrote these lyrics and the next day he had a whole song written. Mm-hmm. So we did it, I guess that night. And I was, I was all mad doing it too. I was all like, I was in the, in the booth just pissed off. Cause I, it's very frustrating when I don't know the lyrics and especially when like Greg and I have different writing styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we connect on a lot of things, but there, you know, when we're, when we're co-writing together, there's a lot of like, I don't want to do that. Nah, let's not use that. Like, you know, cause they're, I want the song to be like genuine and really come if I'm yeah. singing. Yeah. Um, so it was very hard for me because it was, I didn't know the lyrics and I was getting mad about that. I, I was fucking up the rhythms. He's like, no, sing it like this. I'm like, God damn it. You know, you know, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's that fun story. Something I heard in your podcast just recently that I guess something that you all did a couple of years ago, which I thought was pretty funny. And it, it's kind of a funny story too, is that you all opened up for Snoop Dogg a while back. So how was that experience? Man, that was great. It was, uh, it was very, very last minute. Um, we were, I think it was like a week before, maybe not even a week that we mm. found out we were doing this. We were playing a place called Ziggy's in Wilmington, North Carolina. And it's a, uh, it's, it was just a club that's, it's closed now, but, um, there is, there was also a, a Ziggy's in Winston-Salem. North Carolina, um, a couple hours away and owned by the same people. And, uh, they didn't have an opener for Snoop Mm -hmm. since we were already locked in for the Wilmington one. And we had off that day. It was like a Thursday. We had off. It was like a Wednesday, Thursday or something. They're like, Hey, um, we don't have a band. You guys want to come open for Snoop Dogg? And we're like, fuck yeah, we do. It was was a no It wasn't like, really? Is anybody gonna like yeah. that? It was like, yes, doing this. <laughs> yeah, totally doing this. And uh, so we we did it. We went there, and it was like rainy and cold, and it was like a weird. The weather sucked, but it was mm-hmm. outside, you know. Um, but the, yeah, they had this big stage set up, and there was like there were some DJs and um, like like a hype hype men and stuff, and it was a. Uh, it was obviously a very, dem- very uh, different demographic than we're used to playing to, you know, mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of his fans and um, we we're like, well, this could be cool. We could be, you know, playing for a bunch of people that never heard us before. And that's yeah, definitely, yeah. We, we had very few fans there that already knew who we were. Mm-hmm. Um, it was entirely new. There were a few thousand people there. Wow. Um, and uh, so we didn't get to meet him. We were hoping we'd get to meet him. Oh, he man. 45 minutes late for his set. Um, we were already done and he was taking forever and we, we had to get out of there at some point. Yeah, yeah. We ended up catching most of the set. Um, and then we had to take off before the crowd, you know, did, but like, um, it was, uh, it was crazy. It was really funny too, because we were already like, I mean, I was a little nervous. I was a little bit anxious. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And, uh, man, the, the guy that brought us on stage, he was like, yeah, I guess he didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So he's the whole time he's like DJ and he's hyping it up. Yo, Snoop Dogg's coming out later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, all right, 
y'all give it up give it up for ballyhoo and he's like he's like wait a second and it's like it's, it's as if it's like a movie it's it's as if somebody whispered in his ear like oh, it's this rock band from <laughs> he was like he literally in the mic he was like rock music <laughs> this ain't no fucking rock show <laughs> And the crowd was like, ooh, like that. Oh, um, man. <laughs> the worst intro of all time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, way to lay it on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and it was, uh, oh, man. But, but I don't know. We went out there, and we, I think we, op- we opened with, like, Jameson and Ginger. Or that mm-hmm. Oh, man. It was, it was actually pretty good. I mean, so, it's on YouTube. You can watch the show. Okay. Like, somebody videotaped the whole thing. And, um, it's pretty good from what I remember, you know, um, we had some people going and, uh, you know, it wasn't, I've had worse experience playing shows in our own genre. I'll put mm-hmm. it that way. Okay. I've had worse shows doing, doing shows for other bands in our genre. Yeah. Yeah. We did at Snoop Dogg. It was, it was good. Yeah. So we called it a success and it was one for the books, the history books. And uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy that we did it. It's a shame that you didn't get a chance to meet Snoop Dogg, but we were I was going to read everything. <laughs> like I well, got to do this. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing to do with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah, totally. I also want to mention, because you talk a lot about video games and the other guys also in the band are big gamers. I know, I think you talk about you and your brother fans of Castlevania and awesome game series and stuff. And you mentioned some vi- video games that even I'm like a big fan of. So I'm just curious. So what are some of the best video games you've ever played? Oh man. I mean, symphony of the night is my favorite Castlevania game. I, you know, I don't say it's the best. It's just my favorite. It is. It's definitely one of the best. Absolutely. Um, that was it, the game boy advance one, right? No, no, no. It's, it's actually a, the PlayStation. PlayStation. Okay. The guy with the long hair. Yeah, Alucard. Um, yeah, yeah. First time that they did, uh, they made it like an action RPG. Because I am not a fan of RPGs. I don't like turn-based combat. I don't mm-hmm. like, you know, the strategy part of it. Like, mm-hmm. do it. okay, your turn. Uh, oh, miss. And then, <laughs> okay, now they're going to hit me. Like, double. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't like that. I'm not a fan. So, um, action RPG. So, it was like upgrades. I get new weapons. Mm-hmm. My suit, my uniform, my whatever, my outfit can upgrade it. I can, I can make my defense better, make my attacks harder. Like I, can, I got spells. It, like, mm-hmm. and, but at the same time, it's like a hack and slash. You know, that's yeah, my, yeah. that's probably my favorite type of game. Yeah. Uh, along with, you know, I would say right along with like uh, Resident Evil, which is like, you know, action-based survival horror. Mm-hmm. The, the the later ones after like four is where it started getting more action based okay uh, quicker whereas the first few were more about the ambiance and the the vibe and scary and you know mm-hmm. and things and just feeling trapped and alone and the lack of abundance of uh ammo and things like that like oh yeah ammo, those like, were the worst I, yeah, and then the first couple of Resident Evils, you had to have an ink ribbon to save your game on a typewriter. Yeah, yeah. And if you were out of ink ribbons, you couldn't save anymore. So it was just that. It was that thought. And then 
uh, Resident Evil 7 um, uh, brought back the absolute horror. Resident Evil 7 is the scariest Resident Evil game. Okay. Out of all of them. I, hands down, easily. Uh, it is insanely terrifying. Like, And I did the VR version at my brother's house over Christmas, I think. Mm-hmm. That shit is... Like, I was already freaked out. Like, I almost kicked a hole in the TV at a hotel room one night playing regular, you know, with the yeah, controller. Yeah. I brought the PlayStation on tour. And, uh, dude, I played VR. And it was, I mean, these people are right in your face. And they're, oh, my God. You, you get attacked oh, by wow. the Oh, my God. It is, you're looking, you're in the house. You're looking around this house, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. Mm-hmm. You wake up at one point in the beginning of the game. You wake up because you get knocked out, I think. Mm-hmm. You up and you're sitting at a dinner table in this nasty kitchen dining room area and you're looking around the table and there's this family and over to your left here is like this old woman in a wheelchair it looks like she's dead mm-hmm. and, and they're all talking to you it's oh my god it is so scary um resident evil 2 the remake from last year oh my god they that was resident evil 2 and resident evil 4 were my favorites i think re4 was my favorite forever until I tried to play it again and realized how clunky it was. Mm-hmm. Very clunky when you play the game GameCube version. So Resident Evil Two, they remade it and they built on they built it from scratch, added some things to it, and they changed the way it looks. Like it's more of an over over the shoulder style, mm-hmm. as opposed to like a fixed cam where you're walking around and then and then you hit a hit a certain area, and then the camera changes and you know, which was great. Mm-hmm. But man, RE2 is just so awesome and fun and beautiful. And it brought back so many memories. And then they just did the re- Resident Evil 3 remake, which the more I get into it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be over soon. It's a very short game. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Uncharted 4, one of my favorite games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it, it just looks amazing. The acting is superb. Uh, the voice acting. Um it's one of those games where you can play through it and it gets challenging and hard, but it's not insanely difficult to where you throw the control and you never want to play it again. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't like games like that. I, I like, I like, I like games. That I'm having fun playing. Mm-hmm. It's just the right amount of like puzzles and, uh, uh, difficulty that I can get through and beat the game and explore the story. And there's like 25 chapters or something to play in that game. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so yeah, amazing game. Um, Super Mario World on Super Nintendo, one of the greatest games ever made. Like it's perfect. Like they don't need to change anything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they're gonna remake it one day, and I hope they do because I would love to see it in, like a new graphic style. Mm-hmm. But don't change anything about the levels. Don't add any weird mechanics. Like leave it the way it is. Mm-hmm. You know, great game. Yeah. What, what about you? What are, what are you into? Oh well. I- I actually am a big fan of the turn-based RPG games. <laughs> like that's my my main thing. I, I like a, you know Final Fantasy, all that stuff. But I do understand like it, it's slow, and I've been made fun of a lot too. Back in my day, my friends always say, "Yeah, like you gotta wait for your turn to hit the person." But yeah, I was a big Resident Evil fan. Um, I think I was I played all the games all the way to I think Veronica, codename Veronica. It's that was the last one I played, but those the Resident Evil games get deep, man. There's backstory there. Like you think it starts with just the like the first one with the whole the mansion thing and Umbrella the Corporation and all that stuff, but 
boom, the second one came out, which, you know, that was a big game changer right there when the second one came out. And boom, the zombies take over the city. And I would say Resident Evil 2 was my favorite out of that series. Claire. Claire and the... I forgot Claire the... Leon Kennedy. Okay. Yeah, and uh, so you could... What I thought was cool, like, if you beat... After you finish, I guess, one person's story, you kind of can go back and play again, but it's a different... I don't know if I'm explaining this right because there's that tyrant, there's that like white tyrant, and then like a suit or like a rain jacket or something. He just chases after you, like just slowly walks to you. Mr. X. Um, there's a. So the great thing about that game is it was two discs and it was Leon yeah. and B, Claire and B. And if you, let's say you start with Leon A, once you beat it, you play Claire B. Mm-hmm. And then you go back, you yeah. start up. A and what you're doing is you're loading from the same save file, so it's all continuous. You start, then you Claire B, and then Leon A, right? Yeah. And the cool thing is that at some point in the game, they they cross paths. So this happens a couple times. They'll cross paths, and then when you play the other person's B or A game or whatever, uh, that same thing happens, right? But like for instance, you can go if you're Leon, and you find the Uzi, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uzi. It's kind of like, it's like one or the other. You can take the Uzi or you can take uh, the extra um, inventory sash or whatever. Um, whichever one you take in the next game, the B game, that item is gone and you have to take whatever was left over. It's oh, very man. cool. Yeah, they, they mixed it up. And, and then each one has their own sort of, like you go through the same areas, but it's a different part of the area sometimes or there's a completely different part that the other person didn't see. Mm-hmm. Resident Evil 2, the remake, uh, they expanded on that. It's like very, man, I played that game through, I think, five times, I think. Oh, wow. I beat the the original art Resident Evil 2. I beat that at least six times over and over. I beat it in an hour and 10 minutes with, with no saves and like no damage. I got that good at it. I just remember used to playing it, especially at night. Like that's kind of in for those who don't know, like are familiar with the Resident Evil games, it's like watching a horror movie. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, and if you're playing it at night too, and I'm talking about late at night, no one's around. <laughs> those zombies can scare you, especially the worst one is if you're opening a door. So you know, like if you're opening a door and the scene just shows of just the door opening, a zomb- sometimes a two or three zombies will pop out right out of nowhere just in front of that door. That was always scarier. There's a, there was always something popping, like dogs would jump out of the window, or yeah. hands would come out of the window. Those yeah, scary man. Too is that like you have to run back and forth and hit the same room a million times in these games, yeah. you know, for different reasons. Got to find oh, I gotta I gotta find the key, you know, gotta go yeah. across the you know whole place and find a key and bring it back. Well, like, you know, when you make your way through the mansion, you're, you're taking out zombies and dogs and things like that. Yeah. And so you get used to running around and just kind of being free once you've sort of taken everybody out. Yeah. But then once you do certain things in the game, you're triggering things and you go back and where you thought where typically that you've ran through this room a hundred times has been empty. Now there's a couple more zombies or something. Yeah. You're like, ah, fuck. And it just ruins your day. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Pop in the neck or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what's so great, man. And and they really did such a good job with the, with the remake, man. Mm. It just 
it's so good um everything the, the sounds the the way it looks like the story the voice acting is incredibly better than the originals the, the acting was terrible in those games but um especially the first one man oh the first one was so bad don't <laughs> open that door like <laughs> yeah. literally says that it's like wesker somebody's like yeah, yeah. don't open that door you're like what yeah what they let this go like it wasn't even like a take two like yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about your awesome podcast that I mentioned a, a few times already called Tales from the Green Room. You started the podcast as a way to help people start a band, but I've listened to a lot of the episodes and it's kind of changed along the way. And you really opened up yourself personally on it. Uh, you mentioned a lot of personal things that you experience, and I, I love you know, the podcast and hearing the episodes. And I think you being open is awesome. But I kind of feel like a, your therapist of uh, just hearing a lot of like stuff you open up about. And you, you you get deep, man. You really get deep. I admire the fact that you really get deep into your podcast. So I'm just curious of what got you so comfortable in doing that. <clears throat> That's funny. I've never thought about my listeners being my therapist. That's <laughs> actually because i always thought of things when you say things oh you know music is therapy and music it's for me to get things out but you, you know think about your listeners being the guy sitting on the chair <laughs> yeah. you're laying on the couch or taking notes or whatever yeah yeah Tell me about your mother um, <laughs> you know, tell me what hurts you yeah what is it what, what hurts you? yeah um yeah i don't know man you just get comfortable and especially yeah. when you're by yourself uh in a room you know, it, it, you know, and you're recording and whatever, but and you, there's a microphone in front of you. I don't know. You start, get, you're alone with your thoughts, mm -hmm. you know, unless you're, you know, if it's just you, if you, you know, when I have the guys on, it doesn't nearly, doesn't really yeah. go. To, I have another artist sometimes. It depends on what they're, what they're talking about. But, um, yeah, you start to think about things and you kind of go down a rabbit hole in a way. Um, yeah, I've talked about my parents and losing them and what that's been like. And um, I don't know. I just, th I guess I feel like sometimes I wonder if I'm just, if I'm getting too dramatic, if I'm, you know, uh, speaking too much on it or going too far with it uh, in my descriptions and things mm -hmm. like that. I can go pretty deep, you know. Um, but then it's like, you know, I, I know from experience, just from people telling me, you know, at the merch table that either the songs or the, what the things that I'm talking about on the podcast, like it, they really affect them in a positive way. Yeah. Even something that is dark and scary or hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. People like to know that they're not alone in that. And um, so it kind of alleviates that, that feeling of like, ah, oh, am I being too dramatic? Um, you know, I there are people that are, it's doing good for them, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of nice to know that I'm a part of their, their growth or their, their healing. Yeah. And also, you know, it is very much in that way. I'm going to think about this completely different. Now that you said that <laughs> about the listener being, <laughs> um, is that, yeah, I mean, talking, most people know that just talking about things is, can help. Mm -hmm. um, and I get depressed a lot. You know, I've never been diagnosed with depression or anything like mm -hmm. that. Um, but I know it's there. You yeah. know, I've 
a lot of people that haven't been diagnosed. It's there. Yeah. Never had medication or anything like that. One of the good things is I've never had to do any kind of medication or anything like that. So just talking about things, it really gets it off your chest. You put it out in the air and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like sometimes I want to write a tweet. Like I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't really get political. I don't like to talk about that shit. Yeah. this is like I said earlier, I do see it as like kind of a vacation, a, a, a way to get away from things. Yeah. Um, sometimes things really hit me. What people don't understand about artists is that we live in this country too, you know, and like things yeah. affect us and we have opinions on it. And while we have the job of sort of taking people away and being entertainers, you know, sometimes it helps for us to talk about things too, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so like, I'll make comments sometimes. I'll, I'll make a tweet, and I use Twitter for that usually. Instagram and Facebook are different. Facebook is just a shit show. Um, but like, uh, sometimes I'll type something up, and then I'll delete it. And it's the equivalent of that technique of writing something down and crumbling up and throwing it away. Mm-hmm. Or throwing it away. Same idea, just the digital version. Mm-hmm. So like, I'll go to type something up. Oh, what, what, blah, 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 you know, and I try to be eloquent when I, when I, I don't just like rattle things off, mm-hmm. try to have facts and things to back it up. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I'll go, you know, and I'll, right before I hit send, I'll be like, eh, is this good for, is this good for anybody? You mm-hmm. know, is this good for, for me to get this out and, and what am I going to reply to? Like, yeah, some people will agree. Some people won't. And how am I going to, you know, what is this going to look like? I could see it all in my head, you know? And sometimes I'll just hit X. I'll just get rid of it, you know, mm-hmm. and then I'll think about it again, you know? Um, so, you know, when it comes to talking to my parents or anything like that, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's helping people. It's maybe it's helping me. It's just, it's just easy. I've been, uh, I've been doing this for a long time, you know, uh, just, I've been on a stage, you know, for, nearly 25 years yeah yeah Whether that's an actual stage you know in front of people or in you know my studio on a microphone you know just kind of kind of that <laughs> no i mean i gotta say you know thank you for just being so open i mean before i started you know listening to the podcast you know i listened I big fan of the music like i said i was just binging the music and I mean, a lot of your music is, I mean, you mentioned like beach rock, just, you know, living that beachy vibe and just having fun, but you really show another side of you on the podcast and you get deep and you talk about issues that other people experience, even issues that I've experienced. I mean, I've also experienced like parents going divorce and going through that, those stages, but you're really relatable. Like you really open yourself up and become a relatable person to your listeners, your fans. I mean, I feel like I can relate to you a lot of the things that you mentioned. I feel like it's kind of helped me therapeutically. That's great, man. That's that's wonderful to hear that. that those are the types of things that I'm talking about when I say, you know, the, the hearing the stories from other people um, saying that whatever I've said or whatever I've sung about is touching them in a positive way making them feel better about their situation. It just kind of, it's, it's more validation for what I'm doing. And, yeah. you know, especially when, when the podcast, when you think about the podcast, like, um, it's just something I do for fun and it's, 
I don't know, just like making things. And it was just an obvious medium for me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it just, you know, what I told you earlier is you think about who's going to want to listen to me talk, you know, for an hour. No yeah. one's going to listen, right? Who cares? And then I hear things like that. It's like, oh, okay. So this was a cool, this was a yeah. good decision. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's like more validation. So, yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm glad it's, uh, glad it's being a, a positive force for you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So, um, it's great that you're doing this. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, so another thing I, I noticed on your podcast, you do a lot of impersonations, like funny impersonations, and you talk a little bit about voice acting in our previous conversations. So I'm just curious, like, did you ever thought about being a voice actor yourself? Uh, I, you know, I, I had definitely thought about it in the past. Yeah. Uh, acting was something that, I don't know if I'm a great actor, like a good actor, like if I'm a natural or not. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother Donald is really good at, like, he would be a good actor, you know, okay. if he was. Um, and voices and things like we've always, always done dumb stuff like that. We used to make videos when we were kids, like teenagers. Like if if we didn't have YouTube, you know, YouTube was ten years away at that point. Mm-hmm. That and we didn't have a means to get it out. There was no distribution. It was just on the, on the VHS and no one ever saw it. It was just us. We'd mm-hmm. laugh or like watch it back. And so we would make skits. We would do skits of like, we'd have like a comedy show basically and just make, mm. we had a couple of them. It was like Dick and at Howie's. That was a little, it was a few years later with me and my other friends and Donald when we got a little older, but um, yeah, we would just goof off and make dumb sketches uh and film them we did like a mighty morphin power rangers skit mm-hmm. you know like uh we did a job interview skit like there was just dumb shit and yeah i was i remember trying to write scripts and stuff you know mm-hmm. and uh this was, i mean we were already doing the band well into that time we hadn't been on tour or anything but mm-hmm. things but uh yeah i was writing like uh scripts and things for like funny shows and stuff that mm-hmm. I wanted to do <clears throat> and and we did some projects for school some video projects for school and it's, it's it's crazy to think like where it could have been where where we where would have taken us had we had what kids have now is is you know you got kids that are making millions of dollars on youtube and mm-hmm. tiktok and stuff. um so yeah, that was always like a passion. I always loved filming things and editing. I love video editing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so cartoons, I wanted to draw a cartoon. Then I realized, like, fuck that, I'm not drawing cartoons. It's going to take forever. Like, I'd rather mm-hmm. be, you know? Um, <clears throat> but voice acting and things like, yeah, it'd be fun. You know, it'd be fun to do if, if the opportunity came along. I can see you being a voice actor for maybe a video game. Like maybe one of the future Resident Evil games or... Yeah, don't open that door. Like, <laughs> you can do better than that. Oh man, I'd be like, no, hey, d- dude, don't open that. <laughs> and and scene, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Crushed it. I'm going on break. <laughs> <laughs> so you've uh, you're starting to do some uh, solo stuff. I noticed too. You came out with your EP, and you recently came out with a, a single as well. On top of that. 
So what made you want to do the solo stuff outside of the band? Uh, I mean, I, just my love for music and again, making stuff. Like I just, I just like it's when you have all day, you know, I don't work a normal job, you know, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, you have all day to just sit here and just do different projects and like, and it's great too, because, you know, obviously when I work on stuff for other bands, like producing or mixing or whatever, like I have, I have deadlines and things, but, mm-hmm. but you know, one of the things I've learned is like, especially with mixing and like working on music, you, you can get ear fatigue. Like you, you just, you got to know when to take a break or quit. Yeah. yeah. The project will suffer otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Songwriting, you know, with many things. Yeah. Um, and so if I'm like, oh, I got to get out of this for a minute because if you're too far in it, you can't, you stop losing their perspective. You can't hear what it sounds yeah. like. Anymore. I'll, t- I'll save, quit, and I'll grab my guitar and I'll start riffing around or singing a lyric or I'll open up my own project and, and make a demo, or, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you, then I got to a point where I was like, you know, I, th- I got, I'm going to do this tour with Eric Rockmoney. That was in December. Mm-hmm. It was coming up and I was like, man, I should really have something of my own. And I've got some songs that are never going to be released by Ballyhoo recorded or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, then I had a couple of songs that we did record like uh, Smash and um, uh, Sorry Bro, which are two songs on my e- my EP, mm-hmm. actually recorded for a girl's album. Hmm. Um, but I didn't like the way they turned out. So I stopped. We, we got everything recorded and then we had some mixes going and everything, like when the album was being mixed. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, just stop with that one. It's not... It needs something. It needs, it needs work, you know, mm-hmm. wise. Or we didn't nail something like I wanted or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. And then we just, you know, we've recorded stuff since then and just didn't look like it was going to happen. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just use these, these songs and make them acoustic and whatever. Um, that song, uh, uh, All I Ever Want is the first track. Mm-hmm. That was, that was originally called All I Want. And it was recorded for the Cheers album, our third record, back in hmm. 2007 when we were recording that record. And we didn't use it on the album. And obviously, it's been, you know, 13 years since then. So I was like, this song's never coming out of the Values track, you know. So, mm-hmm. But I loved it. I thought it was a good song, you know. So I reworked it and put on a thing and, and released it. Uh, I didn't get the CDs until after I got back from the tour, which sucks. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I was just, uh, I released it on Spotify and everything. I don't know, man. It was just, it's just something different and something of my own mm-hmm. associated with our record label, like Red Coast Records and we have our own label. I just wanted something of my own. Um, the other thing too is like, like I was saying earlier, like, uh, um, I, you know, I've said this in another podcast, like uh, Side Hustle is so important especially for times like these mm-hmm. yeah never like start your side hustle now like yeah. you know um now is the perfect time perfect time to yeah. learn a new skill yeah. or you know or hone a skill mm. work on your recording skill like whatever it is you're doing like uh paint more you know um like 
work on your side hustle because when times like this happen and you can't work, which a lot of people can't, like unemployment like doubled again last week, I think it oh, was. No. Um, it was like another six million from the six million that were already out. Uh, please verify that. I, I, I just heard that. Um, okay. I know a lot of people aren't working right now. Yeah, yeah. That's all the time. Bro, I lost my job, you know. Um, so like work on your side hustle and be ready. I, I started my YouTube channel in January of last year, 2019. Mm -hmm. So I was fully into it. People expected content from me on that platform. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I worked up to my 4,000 hours and my monetization. I, I got it back in December. Here we are several months later and I'm, I'm making money off of YouTube and it's just extra money for my, yeah. you know, when I not being able to go play shows. So same with the podcast. It's like, I make a little bit of money from that. It's, it's not a ton of money and it, yeah. you, especially YouTube like is awful for, it takes a long time to like, yeah. Make yeah. Um, putting out my own record, you know, uh, I got like 250 bucks or something like like in within a couple months of mm -hmm. it's extra money when you need it, you know, you can always use it. Um, the more revenue streams that you have in place, you know, it really does start to add up. Mm -hmm. And as a songwriter, Spotify and Apple pay shit. Like all the streaming services, they pay shit. Suck. Mm -hmm. But that's the way the world is. So keep cranking out songs, build your catalog, yeah. put out more content. And eventually it does add up, you know, um, we just, we're lucky to be doing this way before this went down. Yeah. Well, you thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Well, you've shared a lot of wisdom throughout this conversation that we've had. So we're at a recurring segment that we have on this podcast called words of wisdom. So I'm going to ask for some additional wisdom from you. Share with us a quote that resonates with you and tell us why. There's a good, I had to, I had to look it up because I don't want to say it wrong. Um, there's a couple, a couple kind of quotes actually, but they're in the same wheelhouse, I'd say. Um, mm -hmm. Which one is it? Hold on. There's a bunch of them on this page. I, just, I should have copied and pasted it. Um, it's the one about, oh, I, I'd rather be uh, Kurt Cobain. I'd rather be hated for who I am than love for who I am not. Mm -hmm. um, and then another one is the worst crime is faking it. Hmm. that's uh Kurt Cobain's words and like you the the more that I've done this the more that I've especially the the social media stuff the, the Instagram and the YouTube and connecting with people on mm -hmm. a daily basis um the more that I've done that and the more that I write songs and see the reactions I've learned that uh be real at all times. Don't, don't try to fake anything. There is that fake it till you make it, which I think has some value to it. Um, it might be, uh, it's a, it's an anecdote that can make people feel good about what they're doing. Just say, Here, this is it for right now. You know, we'll figure it out later. Yeah. It's not the worst advice. Uh, but, people smell bullshit they see right through it mm -hmm. um if i were to be writing songs about smoking weed all the time which i know is a it's a hot topic it's mm -hmm. something that 
bands have made money off of that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also living that life. Yeah. You know, they, they smoke weed every day, shit like that. It's like what they write about. You write what you know. Mm-hmm. That was me. Eh, it would come off probably not so good. Yeah, yeah. We got a couple songs about smoking weed and stuff, but like Marijuana Laws, for instance, for instance is a song about advocation and just more about the, the legal side of it. Mm-hmm. How bullshit, which is now becoming outdated, which is great. You know, I love that. Cause yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and then uh, Blaze's Weed is more, it's, it's called Blaze's Weed, but it's about partying in general. Yeah, yeah. I've done plenty of partying. Um, but, uh, you know, if I was like, oh, smoke weed every day, shit like that, like it just be, it wouldn't be real. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and uh, people would see it and be like, ah, this is, this is a fucking joke, you know? Um, there's a reason why certain bands uh, that don't necessarily have pop radio hits uh there's a reason why they're still able to sell out big theaters or amphitheaters or Mm -hmm. put on their own festivals or you know or have a giant crowd at at some festival there's a reason for that Mm -hmm. and it's probably because the music is deep it cuts deep the the words are strong and visceral and um you're talking about real things. Like I think party songs are amazing. I think they're valid and important. I think everyone needs a good party song. Yeah. Um, which we've written plenty of those, but you need to talk about the things that affect you in a real way. The things that matter, the things that yeah. people, because we are all creatures of emotion. Mm-hmm. We, uh, deal with many different things every day and some people yeah, yeah. have really really fucking bad you know and uh you i feel like artists need to talk about that mm-hmm. those things that happen to them those things that um are hard to talk about and it's different levels you know you can it's up to you how much you want to let go and put out there but um you know in the, the sense of creating community uh through just real life and not trying to sell something sell a product you know people jump on things uh because they want to be connected to it i think mm-hmm. um, they want to they want to be a part of something and that's why pop singers you know like rihanna and people like that and you know, might be great singers and things but you know they're not necessarily writing their own songs and that's yeah. not yeah. worse Either. you know it's not the worst thing either but the way pop is just by definition popular music pop yeah. pop culture here and now not yesterday not yeah. tomorrow it's right yeah. now yeah you're not cranking out the hits and staying with that pulling off the same bullshit over and over again mm-hmm. people are gonna forget about you and go on to the next one that's what pop music is yeah and again i don't think it's the worst thing in the world it's not where I live. I just don't, I don't write music like that. I don't approach like that. I have melodic things and a lot of radio vibes and I get that, but uh, you know, it's those people are forgotten about that. It's called fair weather. You get these fair weather fans that, that just forget about you and that might be their jam, you know, but they're on to the next one, you know, and, and mm-hmm. a band, you know, uh, 
a band like uh, Bumpin' Uglies, for example, or Tropadelic, they're writing real shit that people care about. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not some flashy shit. You know, and those guys put on good shows. And, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a huge production, you know. Those, those, guys, they're, those guys aren't rich and they can't, they can't afford to have a big crew and like a yeah. big light show and stuff. No, man, it's about the music and it's about the connection with the mm-hmm. audience making them feel a part of it and i think when you're speaking on real things uh that's what's that's what will last honesty is so important based on everything you're saying it really shows in your music as well at least on the girls album there's a lot of party music and just feeling good and just having fun and doing things but you get deep too i mean you talk about like heartbreak in your other songs just being angry or frustrated about everything that's going on in your life. So it's not all like just having fun and just going out and doing fun things. You get deep and personal and other people can relate to things you're saying outside of the, you know, having fun and hanging out and hanging out with friends. Sometimes you just want to be alone and just be with your thoughts. Yeah. I've written, <clears throat> written plenty of songs like that, you know, yeah. uh, about depression or how, how I handle it. Uh, man, there's, there were some scary days, like, uh, just in the last year or two that I've just like, I didn't want to do anything. And I felt it was very dark and I didn't want to like, it was scary because I didn't see a way out of it. It was very, Mm -hmm. scary. I was like, holy shit. Like what is happening to me right now? Like, why do I feel like this? Yeah. Um, You know, and and I'm glad that it only happens every now and then i I had never really felt like that before, you know, mm-hmm. who knows what it was, but you got to write about that stuff. Yeah. Somebody out there that, that needs it, you know, like, I feel like I, as, as much as I say, it's for me, it's about me. Fuck everybody else. Yeah. Not that I say it all the time, but like, you know, I think there are people that need it. And maybe there is a, I do have like a duty you know, there's a job for me. Yeah. Yeah. To, uh, to address the, those things, mm-hmm. help someone not feel alone, you know? Yeah. If, if we can do anything, you know, I think we're all good at something and maybe I'm good at just making people escape and feel better about themselves for a little bit, you know? And, and even if it's in the smallest way, it's not like I'm, I've had guys come up to me and say that I saved their life. Yeah. We're going to kill themselves. And what do you, what do you, how do you process that? How yeah. do you, all I could do is hug them. Like this is in person. They're telling me this. I had a guy mm-hmm. give me a, 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 a magnet, bottle opener magnet of his, him and his, uh, I want to say his team, his battalion. I don't know. Fuck. I'm not good with military terms, but um, he, he get him and his buddies got, got hit with a, an IED. Mm-hmm side of the road and there were Afghanistan somewhere I think and uh, like everyone died but him and oh, wow. he's been fucked up about it since and uh, he was going to kill himself and he our song came on he was watching YouTube or something at the time and our song came on a loop or something I don't know mm-hmm. that's what he told me it's on Ricochet that we have and he just stopped and hmm. what do you say to that how do I even process something like that yeah, you know, right. and that's happened a couple times. Somebody say you stopped me from committing suicide. What you know? Yeah, 
um, I don't know. I don't know how to handle that. I just kind of give them a hug, you know? Um, but I feel like there's a bit of a, a, a a job there for me. It affects someone in that small way or that big way. But even if it is just that sliver, just that little bit of making their day a little bit better, you know, I'll, I'll keep doing it. No, it's a, it's definitely worth it, man. And just like from a personal standpoint, I've had moments that I've been down or depressed or angry through stuff that I've been through. And yeah, definitely listen to your music has really like made me feel a lot better or was a distraction from all that. But yeah, it's authentic. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it, I'm just glad it connects. I'm glad, you know, it's making you and others feel good. It's nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, Howie, this has been such an awesome conversation that we've been having. Before we wrap up, is there anything you want to share with all our listeners? Uh, thanks for having me. Um, and uh, yeah, my subscribe to my podcast, Tales from the Green Room. Uh, check out my music. You can search Howie Spangler all over the platforms, the music stuff. Um, I got a YouTube channel, Howie Spangler. Go subscribe and sub up. Mash the like button. Um, Oh man, just uh, check out Ballyhoo, uh, wherever you listen to music. And, um, you know, we always got stuff going on. I'm always working and, uh, hit me in the DM, man. I like chatting with fans and stuff and making friends. So. Yeah. And you're really good at interacting with your fans. Uh, that's one thing I've learned and you mentioned a lot too, in your podcast and I've learned a lot from just listening to your podcast and I try to do it myself is really engage with your followers, your fans, interact with them, like all their comments, comment back, message, all that stuff. But yeah, that's one thing I can really say that I've, I mean, I've learned a lot from just your podcast alone, but one thing I really, that really resonates with me is interact with your fans or your followers. And and it's, it's been working for me. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's the, the, the person that, that left you a comment on your YouTube video or your Facebook post or, or whatever, wherever you're at. Um, they took, they took a minute or two to, to write that, you know, mm-hmm. for you and uh, just to tell you how it makes them feel or, or whatever. And I feel like you owe it to them to acknowledge them and hit them back. Even if it's just a, even if it's a heart emoji, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't expect you to write a long message. They really don't. I think some people get that wrong. They think it's going to be like a lot of work, which it, it is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you make a post, you know the way the algorithm algorithm works. Like say Instagram, for instance, mm-hmm. you have to make yourself available. When you make a post, you want to post at the right time of day, and you have to do this by looking your analytics and your insights and see uh, when your posts are doing better. See what posts are doing better, and make more content like that. I mean, again, that's a whole other podcast, but. Um, uh, make your post and make yourself available for the next hour. Don't post and then forget about it and go eat dinner and do it. No, mm-hmm. when you go to make a post, it's serious. You got to be around and checking it every yeah. couple of minutes to see who's responding because, uh, once, uh, the more, the more action that your post is getting, mm-hmm. uh, the more Instagram pushes it out. And that's the same with YouTube. The more it looks popular, they see it as popular content. They're going to push it out further. Um, otherwise, they bury you. 
You know, that's how the algorithm works. Mm -hmm. So if you're commenting back to people, you know, see if you've got 10 comments and you comment back to each one of those, that's 20 comments on an Instagram post. Mm -hmm. So, oh shit, you trick the algorithm. You're like, oh, this is legit. We should put this out. So more people see it. That's what happens. And, you know, not only just for the algorithm's sake, obviously, but for the people that took the second to took the time to write, you should hit them back, you know, and you don't, it doesn't need to be some long, thoughtful, meaningful sentence or whatever. Just say, Oh, thanks so much, man. Or like hit him with a heart or the, the, the classic, uh, this, this guy right here, the, uh, two hands up, like, yeah, raise the roof. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is that what that's for? Oh, I thought I, it was like praise. Like maybe it's, I mean, to me, it's this, all the same praise. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, son. Like that yeah. kind of <laughs> thank you so much. That's what it's like. But you know, anything, hit him back with anything, just hit him back. You know, just acknowledge their existence, acknowledge that you saw their comment and it means something to you because that that is how you create a genuine organic relationship. People want to feel connected, they want to feel like they can reach you in a social media world where DM is right there. You know, people can hit that message button and if you're not checking your DMs and you're not answering people back, you are doing it wrong. You know, we, we, the whole thing has been flat. Like the, the whole playing field is flat now. Yeah. Um, the, you have to stand out more than ever now because there's so much shit going on. It's anyone can distribute anything at any time for free. <laughs> yeah. On multiple platforms. You have to be standing out and, you know, if, if you're, if you're someone that is making any kind of money, uh, from a consumer, you have any sort of consumer base, you have any sort of like popularity and it's like, uh, you're benefiting from that in other ways i don't know what that would be money in your pocket or mm-hmm. got noticed for something else and you're doing something else it's because of people it all starts with the fans it all starts with the people you can yeah. make all the shit you want but if people aren't paying attention it doesn't matter like yeah. you know make make your art you know make your art for yourself and like ah oh, i'm glad that's up there yeah. i can look whatever i want right but if you have a goal in mind of like growing it and you, there's no growth if you're not engaging and there's nobody to engage with Mm -hmm. like you have to like acknowledge people and um i am more than happy to say what's up i've had threads like a full thread with people in my dm just you know i don't want anybody to feel like they're just a number or yeah yeah. like oh cool man what's up with you how you doing you know shit like that like yeah yeah in normal conversations with people and it's not even about music you know <laughs> like yeah yeah i don't know man it's just it that is that goes so much farther than being an asshole for one or just being you know the guy like a celebrity or something i don't know it's just, mm-hmm. and we people appreciate it more than you know and they notice when you don't uh reciprocate when you don't if you don't show any signs of gratitude people mm-hmm. know people pick up on it man you have to be aware you have to be aware of why you're on 
on your soapbox, why, why you're at any level, you know, Mm -hmm. we all start from nothing. Um, you know, Brandon, I I keep using him as an example from uglies. He'll be on Facebook doing live for an hour or two and he's got 350 people watching him, you know, Mm -hmm. concurrent at one time that just didn't happen. That's because he, he's built it for several years. You know, just going live constantly, creating a thing, mm-hmm. uh, and and interacting and and being a good dude and aware that people want to reach and interact with him. You know, and he gives it to them. He gives them what they want. Yeah, yeah. But not because he has to. It's because he, he likes doing it. Yeah. We could go on forever about this shit. Yeah. I love talking well, about. <laughs> well, I f- I feel like you've filled this podcast with so much of your knowledge man like and the and this is pretty much like almost uh, over a hundred episodes of knowledge that your our listeners can get from your podcast that's you know being condensed down to this podcast and we've been talking for almost two hours now and you know i appreciate every minute of your time that you're you're spending right now to join on this podcast but yeah, I just want to say thank you, man. You, you really have shared a lot of, w- of your wisdom um, for our listeners. Oh, man, dude, I'm happy anybody wants to talk to me at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm just, I'm a dude from Habity Grace, Maryland, yeah. you know, and it's just, I'm, I'm just here doing stuff and people see value in it. I, yeah. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, it just means a lot that, that you'd want to talk to me in the first place, so. Pleasure's all mine, man. And I I, I definitely, I know you guys were going to perform at Reggae Rise Up, but since it's got delayed, I hope to catch you guys over there. And I I definitely want to see another show again uh, from you guys soon. As far as I know, uh, we are still good for the, it's October, right? October 2nd. Yeah. yeah. Uh, We're still good for that as far as I heard. Um, I mean, we got nothing going on. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, for getting to Florida is like nothing. It's like a thousand miles, dude. It's easy. Yeah. Easy. Um, well, you're you're doing those live shows too, and I saw like some posting. It was hilarious. I think uh, you were playing the guitar, and you had like I don't know how you did it, but you had like Dono playing the drums, and it was like in your pelvis area. Oh yeah, no, that was uh, from our last stream. Oh, okay. Well, our first big stream after this all went down. The the guy working the cameras the producer there switching cameras i think he he knew what he was doing they all <laughs> know they had a laugh about it like yeah like oh look at this shit this lines are perfect yeah. and he, he just like dissolved but didn't dissolve all the way yeah 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 50 50 blended and so it looks like he my brother's like beating on my nutsack with his <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, so i was like oh, i gotta put that up on the internet yeah yeah, that was a hilarious video. It it took me a second time to realize what was going on, but yeah, yeah. that was hilarious. It's like, oh, this is interesting, and I knew right away. I was like, I have that kind of mind. That's where my mind goes. Yeah. <laughs> laugh at yourself, though, man. You know, it's like you got you got to you got to be able to laugh at yourself. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You're awesome at that, man. Oh, dude, I put that up instant. I was like, dude, I'm putting this right up. Like this is great. <laughs> but yeah, and I'm I'm gonna put all the all the information that you mentioned on the episode notes. So like our listeners can catch all the links to Ballyhoo's fan pages, the Instagram and all that stuff, especially to yours and the podcast as well. So I'm going to put all that information out there, but Howie, man, thank you so much for uh, doing this and having this long, awesome Irie chat with me and best of luck on everything, man. 
Thanks a lot for having me, man. I appreciate it. You take care of yourself. Stay healthy. Thanks. Thanks. Our Irie Chat with Howie Spangler. Make sure to follow his band Ballyhoo and subscribe to his podcast. You may find all the information in our episode notes. I hope you stay safe under quarantine. If you need to keep yourself occupied, go ahead and catch our other interviews. To end this episode, I thought I'd play my favorite song from the band's catalog called Summer Fling, which you may find off their Girls album. Thank you for listening to our Irie Chat, and I'll see you soon. Take you to the beach Make it out till the sun goes down No worries, we'll be so far out of reach In the night starlight